This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are tuned in and listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are here live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on WWE Real 1100 a.m., broadcasting from Atlanta. So, as we usually do, uh, we do our shout outs that we start the day. So shout out to my number one fan, to people that are listening in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Gadsden, Alabama, Washington, D.C., Woodbridge, Virginia, Center, Alabama, Hobbs, New Mexico, Columbus, Georgia, and wherever you may be uh, watching and listening from. We are also broadcasting live on uh, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa's Facebook page. Hey, everybody on Facebook, how are y'all doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I also want to um, shout out to our veterans. Uh, yesterday was Veterans Day, and so to all of our um, veterans who have served in our armed forces, thank you so much for your service and for your sacrifice. We love you, and we are grateful um, that you have uh, taken up such a noble uh, calling to serve in our military. So, like I said, you can listen to us live on uh, WWE Real 1100 AM. Uh, you can stream over the internet at www.real1100.com and watch on our Facebook page. So today um, I will have an audio of the entire show um, later that I will post to the page. So today on our Facebook, you will only see my part of the conversation, but I will try to keep you all uh, looped in. And of course, um, you know, our shows are posted on our podcast platforms. You can follow us on social, on Facebook at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, on Instagram at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and on Twitter at Minutes Doctor. So, Today's show is very, very sensitive, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never had to do a disclaimer for our show, um, but today, you know, is the first time for everything, so here we are today. Um, we're discussing, discussing excuse me, um, domestic violence in teens, 
And I realize that today's topic is triggering um, for a lot of people because there are people who have been in this situation. There are people who are in this situation. Um, and so, you know, of course, it is never my intention to re-traumatize anyone. Um, but, you know, of course, this is a very important topic um, and I wanted to get information and awareness out. So, um, you know, I understand if you if you can't listen today, um, that's fine. Um, I, I appreciate that. And um, but, you know, if you are facing this situation and need help, please call into the station um, today. Call into the studio and we can get you connected with resources um, for that. And so that may be a strategy that you employ um, any week that I'm on the show. Um, feel free to call in. The call in number is 404-603-8770. Um, and you can uh, put it in the guys that you're calling into a radio show uh, to ask a, a health question. And then we can, um, you know, kind of on the side slide you into um, some resources to get you some help. Um, so that way you can do it in a safe way, kind of a, um, you know, um, in, in a way that, you know, won't be detected um, by your abuser. So if you would please uh, need help, please do call in um, to the studio today um, or any day that, that I'm on the air. You know, please connect me, uh, connect to me via the Facebook page. Um, you know, however, however you need to reach out, you know, I'm here for you and I'm happy to help you. So um, getting into um, today's show, um, you know, as you all know, I work in the emergency room and, and see all kinds of things. And so I'm going to share a story um, with you that pertains to our topic and actually inspired um, my desire for today's show. So. Um, so this young lady comes in and um, she shares the story with me. She's 19. Uh, her boyfriend, who is also the father of her child, is uh, he just turned 21 actually that day and he had been drinking and by her perception he was drunk he wanted the keys to the car so that he could continue to party and she was trying to stop him from taking the car taking the keys taking the car um, and going out because she was afraid that he would drive drunk and you know get into an accident hurt himself hurt someone else and she was trying to prevent that so they get into an argument and he calls her names that I won't repeat on the air. And while she's holding their nine-month-old baby, he starts to hit her. She screams out that she wishes that he was dead. And somehow in all of this, she manages to call 911. So I'm sitting in the ER. And over the 911 radio, over the police dispatch radio, we hear this 911 call. Um, go out and on the other end of the line I hear a woman screaming he's gonna murder me <sighs> so a few minutes later we hear over the radio a report of shots fired at the same location and at this point we don't know if this is a police involved shooting or if this woman who was afraid of being murdered actually has been. And so we're kind of just waiting to see what would happen. So a few minutes later, this young lady arrives in the emergency room with her infant child. She is badly bruised about the head and the face. And I can see on her face the imprint of a fist. 
So I examined them both, the mother and the baby. Both of them have bruises about the head and face, but thankfully no other or more serious injuries. She tells me that they've been dating since she was 16 and that this was not the first time that he had hit her. She tells me that the violence in their relationship started <clears throat> within six months of their relationship. So she is 16, 17 um, when this started. So the police arrive at the hospital and take photographs of her and the baby's injuries. And it is then um, that we all learn that the shots fired call that we heard earlier um, was a result of the boyfriend shooting himself in the head. As you all know, I have a soon-to-be teenage daughter, and I have teenage, um, what I call my nieces and nephews. Um, and the thought of my daughter being involved in something like this, um, you know, just sends chills down my spine. Um, and, and that is, um, you know, a fear that any parent has that someone is hurting their child. So in my research for today's show, I was shocked to discover and, and compelled to share that nearly one in 11 teen girls and nearly one in 15 teen boys have reported experienced physical dating violence in the past year. Almost one in nine females and one in 36 males uh, in high school have reported experiencing sexual dating violence in the past year. 26% of women and 15% of men report experiencing intimate partner violence before the age of 18. In the at-large population, 2.3 million people in the United States are assaulted each year by a current or former spouse, boyfriend, or girlfriend. Girls and women aged 16 to 24 are at the highest risk of being victims of domestic violence and are more likely to be injured, raped, or killed by a current or former partner as compared to being victimized by a stranger. Research has shown that teen girls in these relationships are six times more likely to become pregnant or contract a sexually transmitted infection. They also have higher rates of substance abuse and mental health disorders. Violent behavior often begins between the sixth and 12th grade. So sixth grade, you're talking 11, 12 year old children. In one study, 17% of 13 and 14 year olds called themselves dating. Only one-third of teens involved in an abusive relationship confided in someone about the violence. So two-thirds of children are suffering in silence. So I know this is, this is a really, really heavy topic, but, you know, of course, when you look at these numbers, um, you know, a lot of this is happening. A lot of it is happening that we don't know about. Um, and it's happening to someone that you probably do know, you just don't know that they're going through. So when we come back from break, we will have our guest on the line and we'll get into um, a little bit more about how this happens and what kinds of things we can do to protect our children. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is Dr. Carissa Hines. You're listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and we'll be back after this short break. 
This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. Step Staffing is the largest nonprofit alternative staffing agency in the country. First Step prioritizes hiring men and women experiencing homelessness, veterans, and returning citizens. With support like job coaching and transportation, we help individuals reconnect and succeed in the workforce. With six locations around the country, 1,700 men and women are employed weekly. So if you are looking to hire or you know someone that is looking for work, visit FirstStepStaffing.com. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. This is Alvin. And this is Edmund. On the Old Fashioned Health Health Show. Tune in each Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And listen to us live on iHeartRadio or the Real 1100 app. Where we talk about healthy information, products, and or services. And get some old school music in. On the Real 1100. Rejuvenation for youthfulness and beauty is trending worldwide. People are getting laser hair removal, Botox, dermal fillers, skin brightening, tightening, lifting, and reshaping. SmartPlex ATL, a comprehensive medical spa, located in East Cobb, 4799 Old Town Parkway. You can also visit us online at SmartPlexATL.com. Dr. Alexander and his team enjoy pampering you while you receive customized treatments in a beautiful, calming, zen-like atmosphere. SmartPlex ATL, We are your Hollywood destination for exciting, youthful rejuvenation. This is Dr. Carissa, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, streaming live on WWE Real 1100 AM. Uh, it is my pleasure to introduce our guest today, um, who is an expert in this area, and we're talking about uh, teen dating violence. So please, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce to you Dr. Neka Holder. 
Dr. Holder is an attending physician in the Department of Pediatrics at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. She graduated from the Lincoln University uh, School School of Medicine, excuse me, Lincoln University in Lincoln, Pennsylvania, and from Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. She completed her pediatric residency and adolescent medicine fellowship at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C. She is double board certified in pediatrics and adolescent medicine and currently holds an academic position as an associate professor at Georgetown University. Dr. Holder is a member of the Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine, chairperson of the Society of Adolescent Health and Medicine Vaccine Subcommittee, the Section on Adolescent Health of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the North American Society for Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology. She also serves on the meningococcal vaccine work group of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, as well as the Adolescent Subboard Committee of the American Board of Pediatrics. In addition, she is wife to Michael and mother to Uchenna and Adawara. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, Dr. Neka Holder. <laughs> Dr. Holder. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And thank you again so, so very much uh, for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm well, and thank you for that very, very warm introduction. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, you know, this is a heavy, heavy topic today, you know, especially if you are a parent or an auntie or an uncle um, and you have kids, um, you know, that are approaching the age of dating or they actually are dating. Um, you know, this is scary stuff, um, you know, and I shared this story of this 19-year-old girl that that I happened to encounter in the emergency room. And, and she was telling me that, you know, when she was as young as 16, she was involved in intimate partner violence. And, um, you know, I have a 12-year-old. And so, you know, she is rapidly, probably too rapidly, uh, in my opinion, approaching this age where she's going to be dating. And, you know, this this could happen to her or could happen to, to any of the children of, of any of my friends. And that is just terrifying. So let's just kind of get right into um, into the meat of this. Um, what exactly is teen dating violence? Because I, I was impressed to learn that this is was even a term. You know, I thought it was just all domestic violence. Um, so, you know, I was fascinated to learn that there's a separate term. So how, what is that even? So it's, um, as you had mentioned earlier, teen dating violence, also known as intimate partner violence, encompasses any sort of violent relationship that occurs between what should be a healthy dating relationship. And so that violence could encompass physical violence. Um, it could also encompass verbal abuse or even emotional abuse where um, the perpetrator is the one who is withholding uh, things like affection. Mm -hmm. um, it encompasses, unfortunately, a power differential and, and um as you said, it, it uh, can happen during adolescence. And we have to remember that um, adolescents have different stages of psychosocial development. Um, and so during early adolescence, and I have kids your age, um, which is typically between the ages of 11 and 13, that's a different set of brain development. Mm -hmm. 
versus a middle adolescent, which is typically between the ages of 14 and 16. And this is a time where most adolescents, pre-COVID, really, really bonded with their peers um, and are starting to separate, um, not so much emotionally, but trying to self-identify from their parents and from their family and really, really um, identifying with their peer group. Mm -hmm. Um, And then by late adolescence, and the Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine and the American Academy of Pediatrics have officially defined adolescence ending at 25. Wow. Adolescence goes all the way up to 25. And I'm repeating some things because um, I have people that are are watching on my Facebook Live and they're not hearing all of what you're saying. So I'm going to give them some bullet points. And then, you know, of course, the entire broadcast will be up on up on our show. But adolescence extends to age 25, according to um, the experts in this opinion. That's that's something. Yes. And so. um and this we understand through brain development, but also if you remember some uh, young adults and remember our training and, and just graduating college and, and going through medical school, we had some peers who were still dependent on parents sure. um, financially or even emotionally. So um, usually by 25, most young adults are officially ready. Are ready to, to separate. Connect. Sure. <laughs> and be truly independent. Yeah. And and definitely, you know, you do see, um, you know, some of the things, because even though we define adulthood as age 18, you do see some of the, I won't say childish, but for lack of a better way of putting it, um, either thought patterns or behaviors that extend into 20, 21, 22. Um, you know, we do see that, you know, where they're still doing that risk taking behavior that, you know, that we associate more so with teenagers. So, you know, how this, this was this was the question um, that was most present um, for me. How do you even know that your teen is involved in an abusive relationship, either as the abuser or as the victim? Um, because in the situation that that I was a part of in the emergency room, this young lady's mother came. Um, to the emergency room and saw her daughter bruised up and she did not know Now her daughter had been in this relationship for three years and for two and a half years of it, it had been violent. And the mom said that she didn't know. She had absolutely no clue that this was going on. How do, how do you know, like, let's take it, um, you know, how do you know if your child, I guess I'll, I'll take the, the first part of it. if, If your child is a victim of abuse, so, yes, definitely, that's a, an excellent question. And we have to remember that, again, because of the different stages of brain development for adolescents, they may be at different points in emotional development. And um, we have to remember and hopefully show our young people what a healthy relationship is, mm-hmm. where there's mutual respect, um, where you can agree to dis- disagree sometimes, and, and there you're able to compromise. Now, many adolescents may not be aware and young adults may not be aware that they're in an unhealthy relationship. And Mm -hmm. part of it is because of lack of experience of relationships and and seeing what healthy relationships are. It could be lack of self-esteem or it could be lack of perceived social support. So some warning signs that your loved one or child um, or teen Maybe in an unhealthy relationship would be to look for extreme jealousy or possessiveness from mm-hmm. your um, from your child's partner. Um, obviously, looking for any unexplained marks or bruises or injuries. Um, go ahead. 
No, you go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just, just listening and nodding, nodding on. Okay. Um, if your um, child is receiving constant emails, texts, or calls from their partner, mm-hmm. that could be a sign. Um, it's much for signs of depression or anxiety, um, especially, you know, heading deeper into the relationship. Um, if your child is all of a sudden not showing interest in extracurricular or activities that used to bring them joy, mm-hmm. um, they're becoming more and more isolated from their friends and family. That's a sign that this may be an unhealthy relationship or if they start to change their appearance, if they start to dress differently, that you know this is not your child's um, typical way of expression, Mm -hmm. Um, or if they're starting to show other signs of abuse towards other people or animals. Um, And uh, and if you've met your child's partner, which I would highly encourage, um, see how that person treats other people around them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just some points, and again, just to reiterate for our our Facebook audience, um, you know, that there is, so it it sounds to me from what you're saying that there is a a spectrum um, because you mentioned an unhealthy relationship and, you know, those could be the, and I won't say minor things, but the beginning things, the smaller things. Um, So, you know, the possessiveness, um, the extreme jealousy, um, and then that, can lead itself into actual abuse or would you say that all of this is abuse how would you would you classify it that way well i would look for these subtle signs Mm -hmm. and again you would know your child but i would look for drastic changes sure um and and monitor those and and it's hard because you know we've all been teenagers in love in what we thought was love and it is an all-consuming experience where you know you just want to be with that person all the time you want them to be with you all the time you're thinking about them you're calling them texting them even though that didn't exist when I was a teenager but you know however you're communicating with them you want to do that all the time but there's a limit to where that can become obsessive and possessive which again kind of leads you into this unhealthy relationship and it can it it, it's it sounds like it's kind of a murky a murky area because you know like I said we all have been uh, teenagers in love and 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 all consumed by by that and by that person so you really just kind of have to to watch out and you know trust your gut and and you know really really look at your child and also invite your child's partner into your home so that you can observe some things um as as well and i i would say you know probably just to never ever um you know dismiss your instincts about a person so now what protections can parents and families take um or access um to maybe even um you know, if this is happening, because, you know, a lot of these teenagers, um, you know, they're in school together. Um, and so, you know, if you discover that your child is in an unhealthy or abusive relationship, um, you know, what protections can, can parents and families access um, to help their children in that situation, particularly in, in the school systems? So, uh, yes, that. This is a difficult thing to, to broach because, like you said, um, and we've been there, um, puppy love, and it's all-consuming, and mm-hmm. you think that person is the best thing on the planet, mm-hmm. best thing since sliced bread, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, if, you're, if your mom or dad are starting to get too much into your relationship, it's easy to push your parents away, right? Sure. This is 
between you and that other person. Because they don't understand. understand. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So teens may be fearful to report because of lack of awareness or really not being able to trust um, another person or some misplaced guilt um, or fear of retaliation of getting somebody else in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not be aware of their resources. So the best way to help your child, and a lot of this information is on a wonderful website called loveisrespect.org. Yes, I found that site. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but some of the tips they give is listening and giving support and really being there for your child um, and accept what your child is telling you. Sometimes mm-hmm. um, they're saying things and some parents may not be aware that your child is trying to tell you that they're trying to get out of this relationship and don't know how. Sure. Definitely sure. show concern and really, really, really important, right, is to focus on the behavior and to reinforce what a healthy behavior is and what a healthy relationship is and right. show concern if you think that this is an unhealthy relationship. But don't focus on the perpetrator, which is what we all want to do on parents. Sure. Right. But again, if you do that, you may lose your child, mm. which is not what we want. Wow. No, um, not at all. Focus on the behavior. Sure. Um, avoid ultimatums. Give them time to kind of come to that realization that they are likely in an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. and be prepared to support them as they go through this process and help decide on the next steps together. Now, like I said, adolescence spans the ages of 11 all the way through 25. Right. So definitely, wow. if you have a minor child who is under the age of 18, things that you can do to support your child, particularly if they are minors, there are community supports such as social workers, teachers and physicians, especially pediatricians who are mandated reporters. So right. if you have a mind child, you can pull in those community supports sure. who will come and intervene from a legal standpoint. Right. So um, for my Facebook audience, Dr. Holder was just sharing um, with, you know, with us that um, there are people that are in our community that are what we call mandated reporters. Um, Physicians are one, teachers, police officers. And so, um, you know, if you are in a situation where your child um, is in this situation, if you, you know, you yourself don't want to call the police, um, you can share with a mandated reporter. And then, you know, by law, if you tell me that there's violence, I have to, um, you know, get the police involved um, and such. And so, you know, then you can kind of put it off as, you know, you told the doc, the doctor is the one that's pushing this. Um, so that way you can still um, find yourself allied, um, if you will, with your child who may want to may want to push you um, to push you away um, from all of this. So now um, what steps can can I take as a parent uh, to attempt to prevent this dating violence in the first place? Um, Because, of course, this is, you know, it can be murky and it starts off innocently enough before it becomes completely insidious. Um, So, you know, what can I do before, like even before my daughter starts dating? So, um, definitely as a parent and you and I are probably at the same generation and we were raised at the same time and in our um, quote unquote old school. Yep. Um, But, you know, getting to know your child's friends. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and, you know, knowing, knowing who your friend is around, and, who your and, child is around is important. Yeah. Inviting your child. Well, when COVID is over, right. or if you have a COVID bubble, inviting uh, your child's friends over yep. um, and, and watching their interactions um, to, to um, make sure that this is, 
that they are showing each other respect um, and that they can agree to disagree and, and respect each other's opinion, um, most importantly, and encourage that ongoing communication if you feel that this is a healthy relationship. Um, if you feel that this is an unhealthy relationship, you can, again, support your child and, and remind them what a healthy relationship is. Right. Um, because that, that modeling and, and that that requires, uh, that puts the onus on us adults um, to model a healthy, what a healthy relationship is. And a lot of us are not in healthy relationships and our children are seeing this. Um, and so, you know, it, it is it is tremendously important um, to do that and to not only, and I'll, I'll go further, Dr. Holder, not only to have your child's friends around so that you can know who your child's friends are, but their parents as well, um, you know, because that can be telling as well, you know, just if you have that, you know, luckily for me, I've, I've developed quite a social circle with my friends, uh, with my daughter's friends, parents, um, but, you know, a lot of people don't do that. You know, they may know the, the children, but they don't know the parents. Um, and so that can be um, helpful as well. And I would say I agree. And especially when, when your child starts dating and every parent has a different philosophy when they think their child will be ready to date. Mm -hmm. But definitely, again, being old fashioned, um, there's nothing wrong with inviting the date into the home to right. spend five minutes. And right. Carry out a conversation. Well, you know, in, in my house, you didn't get to you didn't get to take me anywhere if you didn't come in and, and say hello to my parents. That that just wasn't we weren't going anywhere if that that first thing didn't happen. Um, you know, in addition to knowing, you know, where we're going and, and as they say, who all is going to be over there? You know, um, that that just how it, that's how it was in my house. So, you know, so if I discover that my child um, is involved in, in dating violence, um, what, what do I do? Like, you know, just kind of, uh, I guess, a stepwise thing. So, you know, I've, I'm already, you know, my child has come to me um, and we have, have developed this relationship where, you know, there is a trust and a communication there where my child can share this, this experience um, with me. And, um, you know, do we take the child to to be examined and to document any bruises if that is possible or if that's if that is the situation um do we call the police first what what do we what do we do or what should we do so again it depends on the type of abuse that is, is happening definitely if it's physical abuse and you you have if your child is under the age of 18 then i would definitely mm -hmm. um find a trusting source um hopefully it's your child's pediatrician um, if it's after hours and it's late, you can definitely take your child to the emergency room um, for a physical exam and documentation of injuries. Um, and if your child is comfortable, they will be interviewed separately. Um, so you have to prepare your child to be prepared to answer some very difficult questions about this person that they have very strong romantic attachments to. Right. If it's verbal or emotional, that gets a little bit more murky, but again, sort of um allowing your child to know that you are there to support them mm -hmm. and that you have their best interest and their happiness and well-being at sure. the forefront of your mind. Sure. Um, there is uh, different ways to go about it. Um, one way is if there is a website called My Plan, which is a tool um, that can help with safety decisions. If you have somebody who's experiencing an abusive relationship, it goes through step by step. 
about what to do to, to uh, decrease contact with the with this um, person who's being harmful to your child and how to eventually sever those ties. If it happens at school, resources at school, if it's high school, you can go to the counseling office. If it's college, there are different uh, college campuses. One way is the counseling office. Another way is student health. Mm-hmm. And again, um, Title IX, we always think of Title IX in terms of female sports. Sports, sure. But I learned through loveisrespect.org that Title IX is actually against um, all discrimination um, for students in general. Hmm. So, um, and abuse is a form of discrimination. If it happens on campus, Title IX needs to step in. Okay. So there's even, and again, just for our Facebook uh, audience, that there is a Title IX, the law, um, offers protections um, for um, abusive relationships or violence uh, that is experienced on college campuses, which I'm sure, you know, that happens um, happens quite a bit. Um, so now in terms of opening this discussion, because, of course, um, you know, for some people now, my daughter will tell you, you know, that her mother will talk to her about anything and everything. And, you know, we we have um, those, quote unquote, uncomfortable uh, conversations. But, you know, everyone isn't uh, isn't prepared to have those conversations. So how do I discuss dating violence with my child? You know, again, I'm you know, I'm a big believer in prevention. So even before we get into the dating arena and all of the emotions and I love him and I love her and all of that. How do we even start that conversation to discuss dating violence with our children? So, again, I think having a conversation, as we all do with our children at different points and and when it's least threatening, whether it's Mm -hmm. at the dinner table or in the car or just spending time, as we've all been, more so than usual due to COVID. Right. Um, You could share a story. We all, unfortunately, probably know someone who has experienced and been in an unhealthy relationship. We could start with a story. Right. Or if you're watching a show together, there are some TV shows where some of this may come up, or even dating in general, um, and sort of watching and asking your child what they think about this relationship and getting their viewpoints Mm -hmm. and making a conversation. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point to to look at, even if you're looking at something on TV, to look at that situation because you're removed from it, the child is removed from it, and then opening a discussion about what you think about what they're seeing, um, you know, on, the, on that show. That's, that's an excellent point, and I think that that's a very um, non-threatening and ingenious way, actually, um, to, to start that conversation. Excellent, excellent. So now, um, what are the risk factors for being on either side of, of an abusive relationship? Because, you know, these things don't just just happen out of out of nowhere, right? Um, yeah, so definitely. So I'll give you some statistics. And again, there's more information on the website, loveisrespect.org. Uh, another resource is Futures Without Violence. But unfortunately, one in... What, nearly 1.5 million high school students nationwide experience physical abuse from a dating partner in a single year. And one in three girls is a victim of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse. Um, and this also happens in boys. We can't forget that it happens right. in boys right. well. Um, and, of course, we mentioned college students. The long-lasting effects are that, unfortunately, violent relationships in adolescence can have um, complications 
down the road. It puts them at risk. The victim's at risk for substance abuse. It puts them at risk for eating disorders. Um, it puts them at risk for risky sexual behaviors and future domestic violence. Um, so is there any way to predict or like any any characteristics that you would look for in your child that says that my child might be victimized or my child might be an abuser? Are there any things that we should look for when we're looking at our own children? So clues that your child might be the abuser is if your child shows extreme jealousy um, or extreme possessiveness over their partner mm-hmm. or seems be um, a, a more than a, a little obsessed, right? And, mm-hmm. and teens can be obsessed when, when they're on their phones with their friends, but more uh, over-the-top obsession, particularly with one person um, and monitoring their text or their social media pages. Um, that's a sign that they, they themselves might be the ones who are, who are at risk of, de- of becoming the perpetrator. Um, or the, on the flip side, um, if, your child, if you're noticing that your child is becoming more withdrawn and more isolated um, and not as involved in their activities that uh, gave them pleasure before the relationship um, and becoming more and more isolated um, and changing their style of dress, um, that's a sign that your child might be in an unhealthy relationship. Sure. And and so now when we look at, because again, you know, old school and, and there was always um, that saying that you know the tree by the fruit that it bears, right? So how often is a teen in a violent relationship um, from a home that may have violence in it? Or is there any, is there a correlation between, between the two? Dr. Holder? Yes, I'm listening. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my statistics here okay. to see if I can no problem. that for you. Just wanted to make sure I hadn't lost you. No, you haven't lost me. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the exact correlation as to how many um, children who have been in an abusive relationship end up being um, in a violent home. I don't have that information pulled offhand, but we do sure. know that there is an increased risk. Sure. Um, for patients, um, sorry, for children who've been in an abusive home for the violence to continue to be perpetuated. But I don't have that exact number for you. That, sorry. That's fine. You know, just, you know, just putting it out there. So, you know, if you are an adult and in, in, a, in an abusive relationship and you have children, just know that you are putting your children at risk for participating on either side um, of an abusive or violent relationship you know that that's basically the 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 point um the point there now before we go dr holder are there any other tips or or statements anything else that you would like to add and you know again thank you so very much for sharing your time and talent with us um today i I deeply deeply appreciate it again i think the important thing is to let your child know that you will always love them and that you will always support them and their happiness and well-being, as we all do as parents, is what's most important um, and that you will always be there for them. That um, the person in the relationship, their partner, may or may not 
around, but you as their parent will always be there and know that you will always have their back. Most certainly. Most certainly. Thank you so much, Dr. Holder, for for having this important discussion with me. Um, Again, I appreciate you lending your time and talent to the show. You are now family. And uh, anytime you'd like to come back on, we're more than happy to have you. Dr. Neka Holder, everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Holder. You have a great day. Thank you. You do the same. You are listening to Dr. Carissa Hines on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we will be back after a short commercial break. First Step Staffing is the largest nonprofit alternative staffing agency in the country. First Step prioritizes hiring men and women experiencing homelessness, veterans, and returning citizens. With support like job coaching and transportation, we help individuals reconnect and succeed in the workforce. With six locations around the country, 1,700 men and women are employed weekly. So if you are looking to hire or you know someone that is looking for work, visit FirstStepStaffing.com. Be sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. I thought that I've been hurt before But no one's ever left me quite this sore Your words cut deeper than a knife Now I need someone to breathe me back to life Got a feeling that I'm going under But I know that I'll make it out alive If I quit calling you my lover Move on You watch me beat until I can't Welcome back. This is Dr. Carissa, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And again, my heartfelt gratitude to Dr. Neka Holder, uh, who was talking to us um, from an expert um, position about teen dating violence. So just to kind of reiterate a few points, um, teen dating violence is one of four types of behavior. Um, Of course, the most obvious is the physical violence, where someone is using physical force um, on one person, you know, to another. Um, And that physical violence can be both ways as well, um, because as Dr. Holder pointed out, there are male children who are involved in physically violent um, relationships as well. Um, Of course, sexual violence where uh, sexual contact or even content um, is forced upon a person. So, you know, of course, 
rape and sexual assault, but also sexting, um, where, you know, people are sending pictures and, you know, doing all of that stuff um, that they do, um, that that is a, also a form of, of sexual violence, taking it into cyberspace. Um, there is the psychological ag aggression where there is uh, verbal and nonverbal attempts at exerting control over one person, um, be it from an emotional standpoint um, or using those verbal and nonverbal uh, ways of control to control the physical um, existence uh, of a person. And then there's stalking, um, where there is repeated unwanted attention and contact. Um, and unfortunately, you know, with our children um, being raised now in such a digital age um, where the cyberbullying and the cyber stalking um, is, is just such a thing that, you know, as a teenager, I didn't have to, to deal with. Um, but that is something else that, that parents have to be um, tremendously hypervigilant about. So, you know, just looking at some of our attitudes that that put us as a society um, at risk for teen dating violence and domestic violence uh, in general, um, you know, and just some of the attitudes that, you know, I've heard um, where we say, you know, boys will be boys. Now, of course, girls can be abusers as well. Um, but, you know, sometimes when we see things, um, you know, in the media and in society, um, we say, oh, that's just locker room talk or, you know, boys will be boys. And we really have to stop normalizing that kind of monstrous behavior because those are the seeds that that get planted, that grow into these unhealthy people becoming parts of unhealthy relationships and even becoming abusers, even though you may think that it's, you know, innocently, um, innocent enough. And so, you know, like with, with little children, we tell little girls that if there's a boy picking on her, that he only picks on her, he only pulls her hair because he likes her. Now, he may very well just be, you know, a little jerk kid. That's entirely possible. It happens. Um, and he may just be pulling her hair because he wants to pull her hair. But what are we saying in that statement to our girls that if he is violent in some way towards you or abusive towards you in some way, he likes you. And we are teaching our girls to associate and normalize violence as a form of love from just, just that little statement. And we have to stop that as well. And we have to teach our girls that, no, you don't get to pull my hair. You know, we have to teach our children how to protect their, their bodies. Um, as we get older um, and people come out and talk about um, abuse that they are in, um, we try to make other excuses for our abusers um, by saying, you know, he's a good man, he's a good provider, he's a good father, she's a good mother, she's a good woman, except for this one little thing. And so, you know, you, we kind of have that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater um, type attitude sometimes um, when it comes to these violent um, and even not physical violence, you know, not necessarily physical violence or, you know, because emotional abuse can be just as damaging. Um, and then the one thing that I just that just makes me just just aches my teeth when I hear people talk about, well, you know, back in the day, you know, our grandparents stayed, through, they knew how to stay together. You know, they stayed through thick and thin. Well, you know, I know a lot of people who back in the day stayed because they didn't have any choice. 
because they didn't have other options. So it wasn't that they were just so in love with granddaddy that they stayed, but it was a thing, you know, women were undereducated, women were underemployed, and you're looking at a realistic situation of, you know, it's me and these kids, I don't have a job, I don't have a way to earn money, I can't put food on tables and roofs over heads, so I guess maybe I'll just stay in this and I'll endure for the sake of my children. So, you know, we have to re-examine and not romanticize um, you know, this staying together no matter what. Because there are people in all cultures, ethnicities, religious religions, occupations, and socioeconomic backgrounds that are affected by dating and domestic violence. And you probably know someone who is either an abuser or a victim. You may not even know that that's what this is. So, moving into our last segment, which is our vitamin C, and um, we're going to play a song, one of my favorite songs, All in Love is Fair by Stevie Wonder. And if you listen to the lyrics of this, you know, of course, Stevie Wonder is just amazing um, as a songwriter and as a performer, Um, but in the song, he talks about Um, the ups and downs between two people uh, in love and how things fall apart, right? And it is, I imagine, um, inspired by a quote attributed to John Liley's romance um, poem, uh, Euphues, and that's E-U-P-H-U-E-S. And the most famous quote from, from this literature is, All is fair in love and war, but love should not be war. Love, in my humble opinion, is meant to make life better and to inspire us. All relationships, if they endure for any significant period of time, will face a battle or two. You know, I'm married and people out there, you know, you're married, you've been in long-term relationships and you know, there are ups and downs and you know, that's just kind of how life goes. But in some relationships, the battle is between the two who, instead of being true lovers, are enemy combatants. In any war, at its conclusion, there will be the vanquished and the victorious, but there will also be casualties on both sides. And this is true in violent relationships. In short, a broken heart may happen in love, but bruises and broken bones should not. And so my vitamin C for today is simply save yourself. Thank you so much for joining me uh, in the best hour of my week. I hope you all have enjoyed the show. I hope that you will share this information uh, with someone. And again, if you are in this situation and need help, uh, you can call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. That is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, And they can uh, connect you with resources um, to get out of that that experience uh, and restart your life. It is entirely possible. 
Um, of course, um, as Dr. Holder mentioned, um, a great website for uh, as a source, loveisrespect.org. There's also dosomething.org and myplan.com. And I will post these links on our Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a great week. Until we meet again, be good to yourself. Be good to uh, each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you.